0: Hi everyone, this is Martin Tyler and you're listening to
1: Everything is Football. Don't go away. Hello everyone and welcome to another EIF podcast. I'm Nick Hawkins and joining us today is Fox Sports' Rob Stone. Rob covers a variety of events for Fox including MLS, Champions League and U.S. International matches. He's known for his work as a studio host, a play-by-play commentator, and a sideline reporter, among many other roles, and he's one of the U.S.'s most versatile and well-known sports personalities on television. Rob, thank you so much for being with us.
0: I'm feeling like you're reading that off of a release that my Fox PR department put out. Does that sound about right?
1: <laughs> uh, that's not entirely true. I did glance at that, and they—I uh, <laughs> did glance at They're that. Like they like um... brainwashing you guys. <laughs> maybe a little bit of their lingo got uh, transplanted into my head unintentionally. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> at, at least, right. Hey, I didn't, I didn't use the, the Jack of all trades term that, that they did. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but anyways, Rob, so I was very excited for the beginning of the MLS season this year. I was probably more excited for this MLS season than any other season before. And when I turn on my TV, to watch the pregame show on that opening night. Uh, my first impression of the MLS this season was your jacket. Where can I get myself pretty, one of those? Are you are you pretty gonna... good jacket, isn't it?
0: I don't even yeah. know where that jacket came from. It appeared <laughs> in our in our uh, offices one day and one of my um, one of my main bosses sent me a, a text and he's like, Would you consider wearing this? And then sent a picture and he's like, Seriously, because this is not something that he would normally proposed to me uh and I'm like absolutely I would I would wear something like that so that yeah. dates back to decision day uh the last day of the regular season last year I wore it but that was like fresh out of the box and it worked perfectly cuz we were double dipping we we had done an, I believe it was a US women's game which led right into our MLS coverage so we had done studio for this women's game and then it was kind of time to essentially you know, change the blazer over onto MLS so the jacket worked great and since then, I've taken it into a tailor, gotten it fixed, so it actually fits me, um, and I am constantly looking for opportunities to wear it
1: without wearing out <laughs> its welcome, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, if you ever large-scale manufacture those, I'll, please let me know, because I'll, I'll be the I will first to p- I'll put I you down for one to five, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and, um, of course, the MLS is back. It's so great to have have you know the MLS in our lives again, but... I'm sure we'll get to that later. And for now, I want to bring up some of the biggest news in the past week, which was the U.S.'s massive 6-0 win over Honduras. And Rob, you were there in San Jose. What was your reaction?
0: Uh, My reaction was, I think I was surprised at the totality of the scoreline, but not the final result. Um, Any day you can move from 6th to 4th in World Cup qualifying is a pretty good day. I think you know there, there's always that little honeymoon and that that initial surge under a new manager, um, but to see him just trounce Honduras like that, and and the goals and the attitude, uh, the play of Pulisic and Dempsey, and um, you know I think it it just kind of gave you hope again, you know, and and it reaffirmed just how good Bruce Arena is at what he does, and you know obviously. You know, there's plenty more to be played out there and a lot of points still to be won and lost. But I think a lot of Americans went home that night, late that night, saying, all right, I think we're all right. I think I can I can start, you know, kind of Googling Russia a little bit more and figuring out where I'm going to go and what I want to see and
1: how I'm going to travel. Because I think people are feeling more and more confident that the U.S. will be there. For sure. And there are a lot of individual storylines coming out of that game, one being Clint Dempsey back in action after being sidelined for so long with an irregular heartbeat problem. And it was great to see him not only back on the field, but back in the goals. And the other big story, perhaps, was the play of 18-year-old Sick. And, of course, he's having a breakout year at Borussia Dortmund this season. And as we saw the other day, his performances for the U.S. have been unbelievable as well. And I remember on the when I was watching the game, Landon Donovan on the broadcast said, you know, this kid is way ahead of where I was at the same age. What is your stance on him? Has he already proven enough to you, or do you need to see more accomplishments, more consistency, et cetera, for him to be, you know, a top-class player for the U.S.? Yeah, it's
0: both. I mean, I've seen plenty. I mean, there's no reason to to not have a lot of hope invested in him and, and faith and belief already because he has performed on pretty serious stages. Um, and I was struck by that quote from Landon Donovan as well, because I remember covering Landon and Bobby Conzi and Demarcus Beasley when they were 17-year-olds at the U.S. residency down in Florida and, you know, making their MLS debuts and, you know, what kind of talent are these guys going to be? And, you know, they've obviously proven that, you know, at least, you know, Landon and Demarcus, you know, to be the long-term type talents who really uh, kind of, uh, Change the dynamics of, of American soccer players, how they're viewed here and abroad. Uh, Pulisic is doing that already, and he's only 18, you know, and and being essentially a regular for for Dortmund and playing in the Champions League and uh, stepping up in a major World Cup qualifier, which was, you know, by all accounts a must-win. And you drop him in there in, in the central midfield role, uh, in a team that had been reeling in a team that had been ravaged by injuries. Kid just continues to impress and. I got a ton of texts and emails from, from people like, wow, you know, the kid yeah, and that's all they had to say, probably because they don't know how to pronounce his name or they don't want to spell it. But you know, he impressed a lot of people. And yes, it's one game and Bruce Serena has been there before with kind of these prodigy type talents. Um, he knows how to take them along at a proper pace, how to give them um, enough to eat without kind of, overdoing it for them at the, at these young stages, but you know, everything this kid has done, he's, he's earned. He's got a great family background and a, and a solid foundation to continue to grow. Um, we talked to him before the game about, you know, the attention he's getting here stateside and he admitted, you know, he knew of it. He was aware of it, uh, but he really doesn't give it much thought. He, he doesn't really think too much about it. You know, his dad is a former player. His, his mom is a, is a former high level athlete as well. Um, you know they, they've got that foundation where they keep him pretty base. But if you get to Russia and you get all that World Cup hype coming around, uh, that's a different type of animal to try and contain and uh, continue to be yourself on. Right now, he's managing it well. I don't forecast that to change, uh, but it'll be much greater challenges for him should the U.S. qualify for Russia 2018.
1: Yeah, and, and we so often see young players kind of break out one year or for part of one year and then they kind of just fade away and it's hard to it's hard to say whether it's the pressure getting to them finally or if other teams learn how to play against them but let's hope that that's not the case for Pulisic. Yeah I don't think that's going to be the case at all I I think um, you know he's going to be around for a long time and he's a guy that
0: this nation and this program is going to be able to to build around and yeah, you know, I think he's gonna be one of those guys. I think he might be that next guy that, you know, the little kids in America out there have have the posters on the wall of Pulisic. You know, it's, they've moved on from Donovan, they're they're about ready to move on from Dempsey and Howard. Uh they're looking for that next one and, and, and Pulisic, by all accounts is that guy at the top of the list.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm I'm a massive Dortmund fan as well. Dortmund is my favorite club team in the world and so I'm I'm perhaps even more on the Christian Pulisic hype, hype train than, than most people. And you mentioned that he was in a central role for the U.S., and that was something that I wanted to bring up because out of all the games that I've watched him playing for Dortmund this season, I think the one that I was most impressed with was his performance in their second leg win over Benfica in the Champions League the other week. And he was also the field up top with Aubameyang. And it, it, it was a little bit further up the field Then Bruce Arena played him the other day. But I was extremely impressed with the impact that he was able to have on the game from the center of the field. So going forward, do you see him continuing in this central role, or do you still think of him more as a winger?
0: Uh, Well, the beauty is I think he and we and the staff are comfortable with him anywhere on the field. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's so difficult to find that number 10. So such a challenge on, on, for club and country, and when you have one, you just hand it over to him, you know. And and I think that's where you're going to be seeing him um, for the really the majority of his international career. I, I think the center of the midfield is his is his calling here with the U.S. national team. Uh, but should something else come up, or should his services be felt that they're you know more useful to the team out wide? I, I think that's fine. But you know he told us you know. I'm fine playing in the middle. That's the position I've played my whole life. You know, that was my club position, and everything he did as a kid. So
1: he's prepared uh, for that position, and he's prepared to hold on to it and not move from it. Absolutely. And so I know that in almost any U.S. fan's ideal lineup, he would be there. But there have been some questions recently, and I think the, the result against Honduras, all the players performed extremely, extremely well but there were some notable names missing such as Fabian Johnson, Bobby Wood who is having a great season in the Bundesliga and is also proving that he can produce for the US as well. So in addition to Pulisic, going forward, who are the key figures in an ideal in your ideal lineup for the US men's national team assuming that yeah, well, you know everyone's healthy, guess- everyone's there. Yeah, and it,
0: I guess it depends how what you mean by how far going ahead, you know, because this Bruce Arena project is really to get us to and through Russia and then US soccer reevaluates everything. Everything. You know, from managers to player systems to uh, playing styles to, to how they're gonna go forward for, for that next World Cup cycle. Um but going forward, I mean I think you hit two of the big guys. Um I've always felt like, you know, you need to be strong in the middle. So, you know, Tim Howard is not gonna be there forever, people. You know, so at some point we need to mm-hmm. find who that who that next keeper is going to be. And, you know, Brad Guzan has had a shot. You know, Nick Romano will not go away. But, you know, those those guys are not the future. Um, I, you know, I'm concerned about where that's going to be. You know, the center defensive pairing is something that always needs to be figured out, always needs to be sorted out. Um, but there's a lot of really good young talent out there that I don't think we're going to see until after Russia 2018. Um, you know, you're going to see a lot more of, of the Hindmans of the world um, and, and guys that whoever's in charge of the team is going to be afforded the luxury to, to roll them out for a game and see how they play and bring them in for a camp when it's not this absolute essentially must win type scenario. I mean, Bruce Arena is bringing in every camp from here till when he's done is bringing in a camp to win a game. Uh, and I know that sounds silly because why else are you going to be playing this game to win it? Right. But there's a lot of times where there's experimental windows and, and things you can do, but here with what has been handed to him, he has to get these results. So, you know, there is concern that it's going to be, um, you know, a bit of a detriment to the program going forward. Yet he hands over the number 10 role to an 18 year old and you're saying, all right, well, maybe things are pretty good. And he clearly has a lot of faith in in Bobby Wood, as do we in Johnson and company. Um, I think the Dallas uh, club has got a couple of really good products. Uh, Zimmerman and Acosta that are going to be seeing a lot of playing time in the future as well. I'd, I'd, I'd buy stock in those guys right now. Um, I think Bruce would feel comfortable putting them in if he had to. Um, these guys have really continued to impress Villafania as well, who got the start um, at left back uh, versus Honduras this is another guy that Bruce is, has enjoyed, but you know, this, this little year and change stretch is going to be, I, I feel pretty veteran heavy Um, with a sprinkle in of a couple different guys here and there. And then once Russia's done, it's going to be really interesting to see the direction that U.S. soccer chooses to go in.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for having continuity leading up to a World Cup and having the team feel comfortable playing with each other going into that tournament, especially with, you know, how disjointed international football can inherently be with it being constantly broken up by the club season you know, not that not that much time together in the camp with the coach and the other players. So I think that's definitely a, a a good mindset to have going into Russia. 2018. you
0: have to have it. You know, just all you need to do is go back to France '98 and all the late changes that were made by Steve Sampson and changing personnel and personalities and how disruptive that was uh, for that campaign. So yeah, I think Bruce has been forced to to play this hand, uh, and I think it's the hand that's going to help us in the long run the best
1: absolutely and i want to switch gears a little bit and this kind of a a personal question for you we we see incredible passion from u.s fans for international matches you know the mls fan base has grown so much over the past couple years you know adding new expansion teams etc and i think over the past decade there is a lot to be said for the growth of soccer in the us but it still can't really compare with you know the nfl the mlb in terms of domestic popularity and i was wondering if you and the rest of the team at fox sports feel some sense of responsible to sport of soccer become more popular in the us through your your broadcasting your promotion etc
0: yeah, well, I mean, it's it's clearly a passion for all the people that, that work on this project. Um, I, I think it's also, you know, beyond a passion project, it's, it's one where we see susten- uh, sustainability and growth. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't have to go back very far to see how low soccer was on the priority list for viewership, for television executives, for newspaper editors, um, it, and now it's like that one sport that has probably the biggest growth curve associated with it. You know, I think a lot of these other sports are getting somewhat stagnant, whether they're stagnant at a high, medium, or or low level is another conversation. But if you're looking for a growth industry, I think you're looking at soccer. Um, you know, will it ever eclipse NFL, college football, NBA? I don't know, but I think it gains ground every year. I mean, every year, not just like every decade, but every year. Um, I think it takes another uh, another share away from from hockey or from baseball or something like that, Um, you know, I I don't know where it's going to be in 20 years, but I I do know that it is much more prevalent in our society, in our water cooler conversations, um, in every type of aspect that we deal with in life. Soccer is there much more now than it ever has been, and it's not there because it's a punchline. You know, those punchline days really weren't that far away when you think about it. Uh, those tired, trivial soccer jokes that everybody used to drop. And now mm-hmm. rarely do you do you come across it. And when you do and you look at that person, you go, yeah, I kind of expect that from you. You know, that's that's kind of low brow. That's, that's low hanging fruit. Uh, you, you might be an older type customer who who isn't aware of what the sport has to offer. You haven't been given uh, the proper invitation and the opportunity to to ingest it, digest it, and understand what's going on. But that's changing. You know, more and more people uh, and more and more decision-makers um, are influenced by the sport and use that influence uh, to make major decisions about, you know, lifestyle and, and
1: businesses as well. Mm-hmm. And same way that, that soccer is not really the most popular sport in the U S and it, it can't quite stand up to these other sports. I think that the global perspective of the MLS is, is also still that it's an inferior league compared to those in Europe. Although, like you said, it is growing very quickly, growing in popularity, growing in quality all the time. But in your mind, what is the best way for the MLS to improve its standing? Um, as compared to all the leagues in the world. And I, I know that you've yeah, well, recently the, 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 expressed. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. I, I think one of the the ways to, to
0: showcase that growth is, is taking place right now in this generation, and it's the, the rise of, of the stadium scenes and the crowds that are attending and, and how they're watching these games and, and what image they're portraying uh, to us here in the U.S. and, and internationally as well. So, that was a big component. That was a big concern of MLS in the early days. You know, these, these poor, poorly attended games at noon in July at the Cotton Bowl doesn't work for anybody. But I think they've been able to kind of turn that conversation around with the soccer specific stadiums and, and getting these organic fan bases uh, to build and, and really create major noise and, and headlines. The next thing is getting that next international um, U.S. international star here. You know, we need an American iconic player, and Pulisic is on that that path, but it's not Messi-esque, it's not Ronaldo-esque. Um, you know, I think at some point, the world needs to look to the U.S. for one of the best players that's in the game right now. And the third thing, more back to MLS, we're seeing hints and allegations of it, is is getting younger international talent that are still in their international career playing with their national team and a respected national team and making MLS their league of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Javinko has really gotten a raw deal back in Italy and, and not getting the call back to the Azzurri I think he deserves it. Um, and, and I think the fact that the manager of the Italian national team is holding the fact that he plays in MLS against him is just, it's just so wrong and so biased and so naive and um, judgmental. And, and it drives me insane, but if we can get more and more of these, these guys who are in their, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, even late 20s, who are still playing for their national team and a good national team as well um, and saying, I'm all right with this and you're going to have to be all right with it. That's when the acceptance factor, uh, I, think, I think, will grow. And I think that's really kind of the next big step for MLS.
1: Yeah, I, I could not agree more about um, Giovinco not getting called up to Italy. And I think something that highlighted kind of the absurdity of that decision was the other day Paulinho, he's playing in China. Which is surely right. a, a worse league than the MLS, but he can still come in and score a hat trick for the Brazilian national team in important World Cup qualifying games. So it'll it'll happen. It'll, it'll happen, be- but it, it 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 takes time. Yeah, and I think that Giovinco's individual case is is not an issue of the league's inferiority or his lack of skill. I think that does come down to the to the Italian boss. But hopefully, we'll see more players similar to Giovinco in terms of their age and international status coming into the MLS in the coming years. I recently read your, your thoughts, and I, I'm, I'm risking maybe incurring your wrath a little bit here, but I, I recently read your thoughts on the New England Revolution earlier this mm-hmm. month, and I was, I was wondering if you could expand on that for some of our listeners who may have missed that piece of news. And I know that you've been talking about the Kraft Group, and how you feel that they've neglected the New England Revolution as opposed to the New England Patriots. Um, and I was wondering if you could just voice your, your thoughts on that, and is that an issue that applies to, like, throughout the U.S. and throughout the MLS, or is that a problem specific to the New England Revolution? I think England? that's what probably annoyed me the most, is that it, it does
0: seem to be um, a specific issue with one club, because there's, there's plenty of... MLS clubs out there that have a a partnership uh, in some way, shape, or form with an NFL club. You know, you, you you know, all you gotta do is go to Atlanta. It's the same owners right there. And they're playing in the same stadium, but that, that ownership is clearly giving off a different vibe than what's happening in New England. Um, Seattle, you know, has, has these tie-ins with the Seahawks as well. You know, I I guess I, I just expect more from our, our founding fathers of MLS. And it's been, you know, over two decades uh, to find a stadium and to make a stadium and and, and to make an impact in a wonderful market like Boston and New England. And, you know, from my perspective, from what I see from the outside, it just doesn't appear to be enough. Um, It's treating the the revs like second class citizens, um, which they clearly are, you know, to the Patriots. I I don't know. I don't know how anybody could defend an argument otherwise. and I just think it, it's kind of been an element that has held this league back from greater and bigger things. You know, DC United, after all their their issues, is finally you know breaking ground and, and has hope for you know in the very very near future their own stadium. It's, it's coming, it's happening. You know, New, New England mm-hmm. is just kind of that 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 white whale out there that just can't seem to find the right location, or maybe it's more than just finding the right location. Maybe it's Lack of interest. Maybe it's just lack of desire, but I just, I I just feel like more could be done and and people have been too quiet about it and quietly frustrated about it. And sometimes I think people just need to speak up and say, I I don't think this is good enough. And I think more needs to be done. And it's pretty obvious more needs to
1: be done. And if you don't want to do it, then maybe it's time to to hand it over to somebody who doesn't want to do it. Yeah, and as as a Bostonian myself who's gone to multiple Revolution games, it does sometimes take the wind out of my sails a little bit as a fan to to go in and see you know the the upper deck seats not even being sold, and even and then the seats that they are selling not being sold out. Um, it's kind of it, it can be a little frustrating at times. But as you I, say, I, I can imagine.
0: I, I can absolutely imagine, and, and I'm sure there's yeah. there's. You know, frustrating moments for the ownership as well. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, look, they're, they're very smart, intelligent people, and I'm sure they've had plenty of plans and hopes and dreams and wishes. But uh, you know, in the end, you know, what 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 has what has become of it? You know, and and nothing has. I, I just don't feel like much has changed with that franchise. It's Boston. I mean, it's one of the greatest cities uh, in our in our country. It's a it's a great market for soccer that deserves so much more. And if somebody can step up and do something big, they're going to get the rewards for it because it's going to happen and it's going to be big time in Boston, but it just feels like it's taken too
1: long. And I just don't know if there's enough initiative and drive for it. Mm -hmm. And, And as you say, hopefully as the MLS continues to grow and expand and get bigger, hopefully these kinds of issues will begin to get solved in New England and across the country. Yeah, and there's, there's less, to, and
0: less and less of these issues, which is a good thing, right? They, they've been yeah. whittled away uh, seemingly
1: year by year, and now there's just, just a handful of big ones that, that lurk out there. Absolutely. And just for Rob, there's one more question, and this is actually from my colleague. He wants to know how do you go about getting into an argument with Alexi Lawless? Is there ever a way to... I know that you spend a lot of time with him. You guys spend car rides together. What is your strategy going into an argument with him? And how often do you see him swayed from his point of view or his opinion? Uh, not often. He, he's pretty locked and loaded <laughs> with his viewpoint. But,
0: but I, I can bring up some good points. See, I'm not a debater uh, by nature. That, that's not where I, where I go. I like to just kind of discuss and talk and hear ideas. Um, he's really good at hearing something and then challenging challenging that person on that comment. Well, why? Why do you say that? What about this? Uh, I think he just enjoys that dance. Um, but, you know, frankly, when he and I are together, we don't. We don't get too caught up in these things because frankly, we we pretty much believe in the same stuff. Across the board, Uh, there'll be a few little moments where uh, we might differentiate, but, um. You know, the the whole New England conversation, he, you know, he was like, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> you know, he's like, that's something I would have done. And, and that's, you know, you're, you're coming along just fine, you know, but that's, that's not my personality. That's not my style. Uh, I do like listening to him stir the pot, but uh, when he and I are together more times than not, we're just trying to find solutions and, and talking points and subjects that that matter and, and kind of figuring out what the audience wants to talk about, you know, what, what's the hot button? You know, we, we might think, you know, topic A um, is of value, but when we start debating and, and opening it up to other people, we hear, wow, they really want to talk about, you know, this dynamic with U.S. soccer. And they really want to talk about Pulisic more than they want to talk about Dempsey's hat trick, you know, things like that, that we kind of learn from from our, our, our listeners, our viewers out there uh, when we kind of open ourselves up to
1: them. Yes, and you're. It must be very interesting to work with Alexi and with other U.S. legends such as such as Lynn Donovan and and Eric Winalda. Um. So I love we it. we definitely we definitely as U.S. as U.S. fans appreciate having those guys on and getting to hear their perspective. You know, every time we turn on the TV and watch soccer, your input from you. Yeah, and all. It's,
0: it's it's really cool because you know those guys really didn't get to experience everything that's going on right now. I mean, Landon certainly has gotten a good taste, but you know, for Alexi, you know, where the U S national team was and where MLS was when when he was playing, you know, it's, it's such a different world. It's almost like a culture shock. So, you know, when he and I are doing a game in Portland or Seattle or wherever, and it's, it's a sellout and the place is stumping and TIFOs are coming up all over here and the national anthem is being sung by the audience and all these things are going, you know, we get, a little, a little emotional, you know, we get a little, um, goose bumpy and sniffly and kind of elbow each other. And, you know, I think more for him than me, uh, it's just awesome to see this growth, you know, and to have been a part of it, you know, to, to be a witness to what is happening to soccer in the States right now is a really fortunate position that
1: I've been blessed with. Yeah. And, and we, as fans and as citizens of the U S are all very thankful for the work that you guys at Fox Sports and Fox Soccer do to, to promote the beautiful game. So thank you, Rob. You're welcome. Happy to do it. That's all we have time for today, everyone. Thank you for listening. You can find more on the U.S. international team, the MLS, and all the soccer happenings from around the world at www.eifsoccer.com. You can find us at, on Facebook at Football and on Twitter, Instagram and SoundCloud at IAFsaw. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.
0: Go south and your shoes ain't off the shelves. You straight out of a
1: magazine. Feel things I ain't ever felt. Yeah.